millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello from Philippa at the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Now more than ever, people are often turning to a book to provide them with a great escape. And they usually get asked, which book should I read next? There are so many to choose from. Well, help is at hand. The Quick Book Reviews podcast does what it says on the tin. It gives you some quick book reviews. You can tell how long it took me to come up with that market-leading title. Well done, me. And it covers all sorts of different books you might be interested in. And, hopefully, a happy half hour with me chatting about life, cups of tea, biscuits and books. Lots of books. Crime to thriller to general fiction, audiobooks, even children's books. If I think it's good, I'll want to tell you about it. And if I'm not such a fan, I'll tell you that too. It's not about literature or fine arts. It's just about finding a good read that makes you want to keep turning the pages. Finding books that deliver a great ending. Fancy a listen? Download the Quick Book Reviews podcast and see what you think. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, Anna. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty Dumpty Dum, why am I in the kitchen? Dumpty 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 Dum, oh yes, to find me phone. Where I put it down, where's the bloody thing? Dumpty Diddly Dum. Dumpty 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 Dum, who's I going to call? <laughs> Folks, this is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that has hunted an amridge in the heart of the millions. I'm the tip top monologue. That is Roy Phil Brown. And with me, I have the lackluster bloviator that is... Kerry Warbiff. And back by popular demand, we have that cuddly contrarian, Peter Fickling. Woohoo! It's the three musketeers. We're all back. Who, who's D'Artagnan? He's the dashing one. Oh, well, it's you, Roy Phil. It's always you. No, no, I'm, I'm the big... I'm Porthos around. So the big fat one who, you know, <laughs> his best days were behind him. That's me. This week's Dumpty Dum was from Old Grey Whiskers. We're going to retire that now, Mr. Old Grey Whiskers. So that means then, Kerry, if we're going to retire it, we need a new, fresh Dumpty Dum. Um, if someone would like to help us out in that endeavour, how can that be done? 
If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with DUM to 077-862-00690. Thanks to Yokel Bear and Millie Bell, our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and Shambridge for her voices. Of course, also Lucy B. Freeman for her awesomeness. On this week's episode, we hear views from Jack, Glynn, Elsa, Emma, Doris, the neurotic Yankee, and our Witherspoon in his psychiatrist chair. But first off, it calls upon me as a musketeer-in-chief, the big portly one, as I said, whose days are hmm, kind of behind him. Best of them. Uh, to say to the, my other two co-hosts, what do you reckon to the last week in Ambridge? Let's start with you, Mr. F. Uh, well, I'm, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious because I... I... I'm very much going against the flow, which is I've enjoyed it again. Um, it's a lovely change from my day-to-day life stuck at home. Uh, it's a lovely change from basically anything um, apart from... What? Are you basically saying, right, mm-hmm. Peter, that because your little wee one... What? He's 18 months now, is he? Uh, 14 months. You know, fatherhood is just weighing down too heavily on you. So whenever you can get a 12-minute respite, whatever that 12 minutes is... You grab it with both hands and you love it. I think that's where we are, yeah. <laughs> so relative to childcare, you enjoyed it? Yeah, the, the writers have managed to be um, connect with me on a deeper level than a child who can't speak and can only <laughs> communicate using both ends of his body. <laughs> that's not true, Peter. The average uh, 14-month-old little human being can, can communicate much more than just with uh, poops and with saying, feed me. They can. Well, it's a humble brag about your children, there, boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so humble, sir. Not so humble. <laughs> Kerry, uh, what yes. do you reckon to the last week uh, in Ambridge? Have you been doing um, what the other Kerry said, which is uh, getting on a you know decent pair of headphones, listen to them all back to back? No. Uh, well, a mixture, to be honest with you. I listened to some, them in the week in turn. Mm-hmm. Then I listened to them all in one go on Friday morning. Uh, and the omnibus as well, and it made me angry this week. I'm oh, sorry stop it! To say. Stop it! Yeah. Stop it! No, 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 no! This is our elixir of niceness, <laughs> the archers. It's supposed to just, you know, um, just give us pleasant, nice thoughts. Surely, yeah, it it is. But I've taken some truth serum, and, and this week I, I've got to say, it just made me really cross. <laughs> Well, I tell you what I've been enjoying. I've mm. been enjoying every Friday at seven o'clock, breaking yeah. bread and just communing with other fans of the Archers in the company of one of the actors. I can talk about that ad nauseum and what a pleasant experience that is. Um, and last week we had the lovely, incomparable um, Annabelle Dowler, who plays Kirsty Miller, and she was just an utter star. Um, she was. She was good, wasn't she? Yeah, I loved her. No, my life's been a bit complicated the last week. I got um, bombed out of my house by carbon monoxide and various other things. So I didn't manage to listen. I mean, what was her sort of, how is she defending Kirsty at the moment? Because that's, I, you know, having been positive before, I really did struggle with the Kirsty plotline the last week. Now, just before I answer that, 
are these monologues fundamentally pushing along pre-COVID storylines or are they really just placeholders so we have something more than nothing? Will there be some kind of significance to them afterwards? So will Susan still be a DJ and Radio Borsetshire or will that just be dropped? So there's two questions there. Are, the, are they moving along storylines and then will they have relevance when we get back to normality? I was wondering about that because I was thinking because um basically um, um when I my, when I was bombed out of my house by the, the monoxide um then I also on the same day got a message from you to say would I come back this week so I was going to force to listen in all in one go in the car and so I had a bit more time to think about it while I was listening uh, than I normally would and I was also I was thinking well maybe they should just drop the whole plot line with Philip and the horses, because Kirsty started to hint at the fact that he's remorseful, that he's sort of dealing with the angst of it, that he has some guilt going on. And actually, it might be true to life not to always have it tidied up. They don't, you don't need to have Rob being forced out. You know, you don't need to have Nigel falling off a roof. It could just be that he lives in the village, and we, 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 we're the only people who know about his dark secret. So I thought that might be quite an interesting thing for them to do. Just never actually bring that plot line to, to fruition. Um, and then equally um, with Susan and the um, and the, the radio, perfectly natural for that to disappear when the coronavirus does, because she's definitely a wartime general. <laughs> uh, Kerry, surely um, we, we all know that fundamentally docu soaps, whisper, but docu soaps, docu dramas, i.e., soaps, um, are morality plays. So the baddies have to have their comeuppance. We can't have uh, Gavin Moss, Helen. Sorry to interrupt, but you just said the baddies have to get their comeuppance and we've seen for several years they don't. That's the point. You you do know she's actually a victim, don't you, Peter? No, I'm okay. Right. So this this is the problem is I'm maybe my sort of cuddly. um, I like the archers persona is my desire to always contradict you, Droyfield. So as soon as you say something, I'm instinctively going in the other direction. I mean, that does normally happen, though, Royfield, doesn't it? You are right. The morality does happen usually doesn't it so maybe peter is um onto something there they should perhaps drop that for a while what right and, and let wrong philip yeah <laughs> or just extend <laughs> the timeline regardless yeah. Yeah, just extend the timeline i mean it doesn't have to be doesn't have to all be tidied up neatly it could sort of drift in the background and it would actually add a kind of even even more drama and to some extent yeah. they have done it like you know brian pretty much got away with poisoning the the am no he didn't he's lost his house reduced status oh, i'd love to I'd, I'd love to be rich enough that that's my reduced status but everything's relative though everything's relative going back to your point royfield they do feel like placeholders more which you know is fair enough in a way i just wish that the content was a little more interesting hmm well you know what we should do folks we should actually go and listen and be wrapped of attention wise uh, to the great dumdy dumbers out there because Jack, Glynn, Elsa, Doris, Witherspoon, Emma and the neurotic Yankee all have their opinions on the last week in Ambridge. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First off, here is Jack. Hello, dumdy dumbers. It's Jack here. Susan's radio show for me doesn't quite work. The writers need to let us know more that Susan is meant to sound like a bad radio presenter. At the moment, it's sounding too real. 
However, Charlotte Martin is a very, very good actor and acting well. The other monologues are quite good. Jeremy Howell, the writers and the directors, next year for the 70th anniversary of The Archers, don't kill anyone off. We miss the characters. It doesn't make for great listening. And also, the actors are without a job. Now, on to Graham's monologues. They are absolutely superb. I've told people about them, and they are very impressed. Graham and Helen, you could use other people and make a whole drama with dialogue. You could use the actress that played Nick, Isan Churchman, who played Grace, the actor that played John, and any other people who've been killed off and create a whole nother drama of ghosts. Well, I'd like to say a very special hello to Kerry. Welcome along to Dumpty Dum. You're a very good host. So, hello to Kerry Wilburton's. Goodbye for now. <laughs> who, who, who's oh, funny, that, Kerry? Funny, funny. God, how many different ways can people get my name wrong? I like <laughs> his style. <laughs> yeah, so he's listened to the Graham Seed um, Nigel Pargeter triptych then, hasn't he? Mm. Which I did as well today. What do you reckon? I liked it. He, he, You've heard it, haven't you? Or have you not heard all of it? I have. I've heard all of them now. Have you heard them all, Peter? No, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I didn't even know it existed. So you di- so you only listen to Dumbly Dum when you're on it, basically. So what uh, you're now just no, with, admitting. With, you're, forcing me, you're forcing me into a painful revelation. Dumpty Dum, you told me about Dumpty Dum, and because you're my friend, I could never listen to it in case I liked it. And then, <laughs> si- and then I was on it. And then I couldn't listen because we had all the technical problems. And in the last week, aforementioned bombing out. So I will listen in the future, but I have some some sort of complicated, but I think decent reasons for not listening in the past. Right. Okay. So stand down in this part of the conversation. Then, right? Sure. Okay. Uh, Kerry, yes. what do you think? And, if, oh, and oh, by the way, Jack, thank you for the call. I realise that we're just like blindly going on and just like ignoring you, Jack. Jack, awesome. Thank you uh, for calling in. What do you think is the main difference why the Partizer triptychs have gone down so well as opposed to the regular servings up from Ambridge? Mm. I mean, there's a, there's a huge fondness for Nigel for a start. His voice is amazing. He really drew me in. Um, and the angle of, you know, a ghost um, wandering around Ambridge and, and having thoughts about all the other characters um, was really interesting. He wasn't sort of talking to himself so much as talking to me mm. as a listener, I felt, which made a big difference. The, the other thing which I found just on the surface quite remarkable about them is it is just him for 12 minutes mm. and you don't get bored no you know it all kind of made sense and everything as well yeah i can't quite work it out as to the reason why i am so struggling with some of these episodes but i am struggling and then to listen to that it it, it felt like light and shade it really did and we we know that the actors are accomplished actors. Mm. You know, we've been listening to them uh, for years, for decades, some of them. 
and they wouldn't keep their positions if they weren't actually fundamentally good at their jobs. And, you know, and, and we know that they're good, but th- there is something which is making this a very uneven and, and, and a part slightly uncomfortable listen. And I think it goes beyond just the fact that it is something new. You know, that it yeah. isn't just the same rhythms as we, we've been used to for all these years. Mm. Um, and it, Nigel's felt more like a, dra- a radio drama that you might switch on Radio 4 in the afternoon. Um, whereas the monologues are sounding a little a bit try hard to me. They don't seem like a natural thing that would be happening. Mm. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. I've suspended a certain level of critical, mm. analytical brain power. I've just kind of put it to one side because not only are we in the middle of a pandemic, uh, but I also know there are technically, uh, you know, we actually have some archers as opposed to none. So I'm going somewhat easy on it. But, you know, I can't sit here and say I'm loving them. Um, Mm. So anyway, let's try and reverse out of that and let's all be positive. Now it's Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. I trust everyone in Dumpty Dum land is staying safe. Uh, It's been about three weeks since I last called in. And I think in that time, we found that the new format of The Archers has settled down. The actors seem comfortable in their delivery and the writers are finding a variety of ways for the characters to express themselves, uh, not just thinking aloud. And I'm definitely in the camp of preferring this to no archers at all. So thank you to the BBC. However, that's not to say all is brilliant. Content needs to be good too. And that, in my view, is much more hit and miss. Uh, the episodes uh, last week with Kirsty were pretty good. There was definitely some plot development going on. Um, it's clear that she's concerned things aren't quite right, but she's a long way from realising why. And Susan's radio appearances are always good fun to listen to. By contrast, the previous week's episode with Lillian and Justin had virtually nothing of interest in my view. And I felt it was just like they were trying to fill time in there. So I hope we begin to see some more story content as the weeks go on. In the meantime, I've really enjoyed the Friday Zooms. Uh, Thank you very much, Royfield, for putting those on. Uh, It was also great to hear Graham Seed last week. And if you haven't listened to the Pajita triptych yet, it's well well worth a go, well worth listening to. Thank you, as ever, for the podcast, and I hope everyone in Dumpty Dumland has a great week. Bye. Well, thank you, Glyn. You have brought some positivity <laughs> to the table there. Um, yeah, so he liked the triptych as well. Uh, but he's saying, he's, you know, said the content is hit and miss, but he's feeling it's all settled down rather nicely. Mm. I, I wonder if one of the things we aren't actually experiencing is number one uh each episode is written by a different writer so there is a level of unevenness there Mm. whereas normally each writer gets a week and then it is whether this person is your favorite actor or or an actor who you dislike type of thing 
So there are variables which are which are quite stark as opposed to the regular week in the arches where you're going to have a multiplicity of voices and, and even though you even though you only have one writer uh, what do you reckon peter well i think we talked about it um a couple of weeks ago where um your the characters aren't placed in relief by by the other characters so you don't have people being told off or lauded for their behavior so it sort of it amplifies or exaggerates your feelings. So if you're really enjoying it, then then all the better. Like I really enjoyed um, the Horribin sisters, you know, going backwards and forwards this week. And some of the writing was a bit clunky or sorry, I don't want to be too critical. Yeah, it was a bit clunky. And but I was able to move past that because I was, you know, enjoying a bit of kind of um, uh, pantomime-esque nonsense. Um, but but something like the Kirsty sitting alone, um, sort of moping because Philip's a bit grumpy, and you know there was even even though they did have some call and response with Helen, there was nothing to, there was nothing to to represent me in the scene to say snap out of it, come on, can't you see the man's an idiot or you know whatever any of the the inner voices we have when we're listening. So I think maybe that's part of it is you're just you know you're you're just floating on your own and it, and it, and that, that can be mood as well. So if you're in a bad mood, then the arch is potentially just going to amplify that or vice versa. Mm. I was in a very good mood though. <laughs> So basically, if you just had to deal with the business end of your little one, basically you're in a bad mood. So the archers is rubbish. Is that what you're saying? Oh well, and no. I mean that. No, that, he's glorious. Everything he does is amazing. He always puts me in a good mood, um, even, even when but, it no, feels I mean, on, nappy. Yes. No. Honestly, I'd, I've never, I've never done that with anything but a smile on my face. But no, I mean, uh, <laughs> let's say I've had a particularly tricky uh, uh, engagement with the fire service. Then yes, um, the you know he, yeah. the archers, the archers might not necessarily you know in the, in the past it's a cozy place to hide. I think you said that earlier on. You know you just it wrap you know it's just a duvet to wrap around yourself. It's familiar. It's something that's nice and easy. And I think yeah, the Horribin sisters was definitely that for me. Um, and but listening to um, Kirsty mope about Philip was 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 a chore, and it didn't distract me from driving down the M twenty at speed. So. Yeah, I was the opposite with that. I think the the, the Horribin sisters um, falling out because Susan revealed that um, Tracy had once touched the thigh of the wrong man was just infuriatingly not realistic at all. <laughs> you know, would that really cause such a sensation? I don't know. Whereas Kirsty sort of um, explaining to us that Philip's getting more and more cranky. Um, actually did move things along a little bit more that she's sitting there in frustration thinking what what's going on why is this happening it was a shame though when she was doing the um uh the virtual hen do um someone on twitter put they were hoping that the laptop would start not working her laptop on the zoom conversation so that she'd then go to um use philip's laptop <laughs> from the wardrobe to do the zoom thing and realize something um, so maybe we are hungry for something bigger to start happening. Now, I was, I think that, that you hit the nail on the head. I was, my problem with the Kirsty scenes are, um, it, it's everything you're not getting. I'm hungry for the moss, you know, the um, big moss and little moss and their horses. And, you know, hearing the plaintive cries of the horses as they, you know, they want some more pot noodles, or whatever it is that they're taking mm -hmm. back to the dingy flat. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that's what I want. And hearing and, and he getting this kind of almost homeopathic levels of sort of plot line coming, you know, through the filter mm -hmm. of Kirsty just isn't enough. Um, 
and you know that again that's more about me i that's i i, I don't have the sophistication or the nuance or the or, or the aptitudes to or the patience to to get what i want through the, the you know the means of delivery and what about the josh and ben thing you know them sort of uh, carping about each other how did well, that... I enjoy... well, I think I... we sort of went backwards and forwards on Twitter. Well, I saw you sort of setting Twitter alight with some of your very angry um, <laughs> opinions about um, uh, Josh and Ben. The... I liked the, the sort of the revelation about their childhood doesn't sound mm. plausible or realistic. That the you know um, what, what was it you said about uh, the, the, the phrase that Ben used? Ha, ruddy ha. That's it. And plonker, and you know, um, yeah. And also, actually, Kirsty saying this is bonkers, but and nothing much was really happening. <laughs> there, there is a, very obviously the way that people speak in the arches isn't true to life. There aren't the regular expletives that we use. People don't go in it, and you know the way mm. that they do natural speech. So, are we being a little bit too critical? No, I mean, because you could have just said ha 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 rather than ha ruddy ha. I don't know. I mean that is a bit picky. I will I will take that, I grant you. I mean if I was writing if I was writing a teenager, I would make sure that I got in touch with um my wife's godson and got it, you know, vetted. That would be the mm. first thing I did. And they must they must have access to someone under the age of thirty. Um <laughs> Maybe to just can. sort of, you know <laughs> Even Henry's probably forty, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on, on that note, on that, um, I can say it's not quite a bombshell, but no, we we need we need somebody from the Archers production team actually to to email in and confirm the age of the actor that plays Henry, because because actually Shula used to do a lot of the Archers children back in the day, the really small yeah. ones. She was accomplished for for uh, playing uh, kids, wasn't she? Was so, she Rupert the Bear as well, or something? Something like that, or Noddy, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it's not be- beyond the, the realms of possibility that Henry is actually, uh, you know, drawing his pension, you know. And, uh, I'm not imagining Rupert the Bear as a vicar, by the way. But anyway. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, from Glyn. Uh, oh, and that was it. Um, Glyn mentioned the Friday Zooms. And I know I, I did say this before, but I'm just going to uh, keep reminding you all, folks, uh, this Friday will be the last one for at least for a little while anyway and we have tim bentink the og the original gangster the big daddy the big popper of the whole kitten caboodle that is ambridge is going to be coming on to the zooms at 7 p.m uk time and he's going to break bread with us have a little bit of wine and just regale us with stories of archer's past and boy oh boy can he half chat about the good old days uh down there uh when they're in pebble mill before they even went to the mailbox so tim bentink will be on the zooms now if you want to uh get your bum on one of these front row seats so you can potentially ask a question quite simply email us or go on to um you can go onto the flick app you can uh if you go on to twitter and then say oi mush uh can I have these credentials so i'm getting right i will then em- i will then uh, dm you or you go on to our facebook group where all the credentials will be there if you are one of the uh, denizens that uses facebook and you're part of one of the many archers groups you'll probably also see a post with, with the details on there how 
ever. If you can't be fussed with all that Zoom stuff, all you need to do, quite simply go onto YouTube, type in Dum D Dum Tim Bentink, and uh, it will come up with the required page that you need to park yourself in front of at 7 p.m. on Friday for the very last, at least for the time being anyway, dum de dum doing a bit of Zoom. And it's going to be lots, lots, lots of fun. Now, uh, we did Glyn. Now, here is Elsa. Hi, Kerry, Royfield, and all the dum to dums everywhere. It's Elsa here from Newbury. Um, I first of all wanted to just apologise for calling you Kirsty, Kerry. After I was so enthusiastic about you joining the dum to dum um, family and then getting your name wrong. You guys did then go on to call me Alice for the whole episode, um, so I think we're even. It's Elsa, by the way, like Frozen. Um, in the Archers this week, we heard from Kirsty, actual Kirsty, not Kerry Kirsty, and I suddenly got a bit of a feeling in the pit of my stomach. I was worried that we were also going to hear from Philip. That's Ernie, the baby. Luckily, he didn't feature. I don't think I'm ready to hear him excusing what he's doing is an inner monologue. It's one thing to hear him like chit-chatting in the normal episodes, but in these episodes where you get so deep into their psyche, I don't think I could hear from Philip just yet. Next up was Susan and her wondering how she's going to top the sexcapades that she was chatting about on, on her radio show. I think that she should set up like an agony aunt column. I'd definitely write to Susan for advice about my marriage or about, about my mates. I think she'd give great advice. So that's my plot prediction. Next week we will hear from Ask Susan and you can ask her anything about your woes and she'll answer with her usual brilliant honesty and um, authenticity. Anyway, hope you're all well. Bye. And goodbye from me and Ernie. Are you going to say goodbye? No, he doesn't perform. He's only eight months old. Okay, see you later. Bye. Thank you, Elsa, not Alice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, considering turning to Susan for um, marital advice, I don't know. <laughs> Is that wise? To be fair, her and Neil have been happily wed for, what, 30 plus years, so... They're doing something right. It's not all just about the chili. <laughs> she allows him to ring his bell on, on occasion, uh, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, they obviously know when to be together and when to be apart. And she gently pushes, well, not so gently, <laughs> you know, she she reminds him that she's a woman of aspirations and she, he should be a man of, of, of a, a similar drive, you know, and now he is a manager. Uh, yeah, I think... I could I could sit down and listen to Susan and take marriage advice. I'm not going to say I'd actually act on it, but I'd sit down and listen. <laughs> what about you, Peter? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I was thinking when she was being the agony aunt, was it, um, what was it, Tracy said that um, that uh, when Susan says, um, be yourself, she means be like me. Mm, so, you know, yeah, yeah and, and uh, yeah, she has her, she's very, you know, she's strident. You know where you are with Susan. Um, I was I was taken by the um, the, the, the terror of hearing Phillips in a monologue and actually that got that had got me thinking about you know who would I be most terrified of hearing and I think the inside of Russ's brain would have yes. me turning off in seconds um, I don't think I could cope with that I, I mean um, I'm, I, I think the the plot line with the the, the, um, the slavery um, the, with the horses 
that's something I know nothing about. It's something I'm sort of terrified of. It's it's grim. It's horrible. But it's something I'm, I want to learn about. Um, Russ, I don't want to learn anything about that man. I don't want to learn about his interests, his past, nothing. So, yeah, that's my true terror. I wonder whether Russ, if he had an internal monologue for us to hear, would actually be honest in his internal monologue. or would it? That would be good. Crap. Because, yeah, exactly. I was just thinking I would quite like to hear him being honest about his machinations. So, so in my in my head, um, Kerry, you're like um, Hannibal Lecter talking to Clarice Starling. You know, can we hear Russ all the way back at the farm? You know, before he adopts the accent, before he yeah. puts on his fine clothes. Yeah, I want to know why he is how he is, and what. Yes, going actually, okay, I take it all back. I take it all back. I now I, all I want to hear is Russ's inner <laughs> monologue, providing you're in charge of the plotline and okay, uh, I'll write the and script. script. It's fine. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but but surely. Russ's inner monologue would be one where he's just blithely unaware because he's not self-aware, is he, Russ? Well, this is what I was wondering, you know, is he or isn't he? You know, manipulators can sort of, I don't know, he's either blithely unaware or he's very, very, very aware of what he's doing and what he's all about. I think that's in fiction. That's one of the mistakes they make is that psychopaths or sociopaths always have to be clever. He could be a stupid sociopath. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, it's always possible. Whereas, you know, to hear Philip Moss is in a dialogue, that is going to be brilliant because he is aware, because he has mm. spoken about the fact that when Gavin, uh, pre, pre the COVID, pre the coronas says, you know, slaves and he says never call them that you know we know that we're helping out these boys type of thing so he is wrestling with this if he wasn't he'd just walk around telling the whole village that oh yeah i've got some slaves blah 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 what's the biggie you know so we do know that there is a there is a turmoil here and the fact that he wants to present himself as this uh great uh businessman uh you know with a little bit of largesse you know playground needs sorting not and do that no worries. Blah, blah, blah. We, we've heard him get really nasty at, at a couple of points, though, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, but, but again, you know, if you contrast um, his temper then with uh, him going on the hunt and, and being with the, you know, established members of the village and, uh, as I said, like, helping out with, with the, uh, the, the children's playground and stuff, that is great. That is potentially a great inner monologue and the fact he's got to juggle all this and then not tell Kirsty. I think he's well written one of the problems I had with Rob was it was all a bit too pantomime and um, I enjoyed it but it was made it difficult to sort of really engage with the kind of the uh, the, the emotional side of it for me um, but with Philip you know he they do actually do the banality of evil thing very well and uh, like you said the fact that he can be kind of like you know complimenting Kirsty on you know dinner one minute and the next minute making a very sort of sinister call at the doorway mm. so that's something I've enjoyed I think I, I wouldn't I mean it's not for me to say they've learned from the Rob thing but it feels like they have mm. all right well uh, whether they've learned from the Rob thing or not all will be revealed in the fullness of time most definitely post the Covid's I reckon uh, now from Elsa we go I believe over the Atlantic and we touch down in America land and we have a little bit of Doris. I have a prediction about how 
Kirsty will find out about Philip. I think that she will follow Philip to the house where the help is kept. Perhaps it won't be Kirsty, it will be Roy, but someone will follow and she'll ask questions, or someone will start to ask questions, but it won't be P.C. Burns. This is Doris O. Barton calling from the States, and I've listened to the Archers because I like a parasocial fix occasionally, especially in a time of covid Take good care, and I really liked hearing Annabelle talk to everyone. So long. Cheers. So, thank you, Doris. Um, yeah, so, thinks that someone will follow Philip. But is anyone getting any hint that they need to follow him at this point? Mm. You know. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Who's suspicious? Sorry, I take Roy Phil's point that he made earlier that... Um, you know, we don't know how they're going to juggle the planned scripts with the current scripts and then the future scripts. But I think on in this case, they it needs to be Roy to it. It I it feel like he needs to be the one to reunite his um kind of um paranoia. Uh, he's going to be the one that finds it all out. I, I just I mean it just seems it just see, it would seem too much heavy lifting to bring someone else in to give them a reason for suspicion especially when we don't have the uh, physical interaction. Yeah, and Roy telling Kirsty would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Mm, because mm. they're pals. You know what? Yeah. I'm not really one for the detective show procedural. I'm just not built that way. You know, you have all these crime show procedurals in, in America, Law and Order or CSI, Miami, New York, whatever the heck. They're not really for me. But I appreciate that there's a level of writing that needs to go in so that um, you, the viewer, the listener, are led through the whole process and it makes logical sense and then there is a little bit of a clue and then the detective you know works on that and then there's an, a revelation after revelation and then you know they get the baddie considering that we all say Harrison Burns is crap right and he's only ever arrested his father-in-law in all his whole time in Hambridge right it would be good because I still, I still think that whole cricket practice scene where he says to Gavin Moss, no, you cannot join the, the cricket team, was Harrison working on this case and going, hmm, right, there, there's something's up here. Something is up. So I'm holding out for Harrison Burns the procedural where we go through and meticulously he you know, uncovers this dastardly example of modern slavery. This is intolerable. You've done it again. Um, I'm not happy. <laughs> really what have I done happy. this that's time? Exactly right. Well, you're right again, aren't you? It's that's exactly right. And I, I'd completely forgotten about that. And I, so you, what we're saying is Harrison Burns as Columbo, bumbling along, tending to forget Columbo things. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know, my wife when she's baking cake, she always, you know, just like it was something else say. Uh, but yeah, okay, well done, Royfield. Yes, Harrison. And I think it's going to suit the scriptwriters perfectly, isn't it? That that Harrison actually comes good. Mm. 
to give him another level, a, a bit, a new depth. You know, he just isn't there so far. Yeah, he's a new sergeant, isn't he? So he's got to earn mm. those sergeant stripes, so to speak. So, and they've also knocked him down a bit recently. So it would help the it would help the kind of um, dramatic arc. He's been demoted in one in one field of the you know literally one field, and he can then be promoted in another. Mm. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah, in one field. Well done. Down sir. on the cricket. Thank you. Up with the Columbo. Mm. The other thing as well is is his name James Cartwright, the actor that plays him. I think it is. He's actually a bloody good actor. Mm. There's a reason why he does so many voiceovers. He's got a great voice, he's got a great delivery, and he's criminally underserved in the Archers. You know, so maybe this is a time to to pimp him up. You know, I did read he, he um, kept... on, on the Twitters that it, sorry, Peter, that it will be quick. Um, that in August, dialogues will be returning, and it was from a the Archers source. Mm. So. Mm. In a month's time, we may well have people interacting. Do you think that now that they've broken um, broken land with this, that there's going to be the opportunity to do occasional um, monologue episodes? Um, I mean, they have done some similar things in the past, haven't they? Wasn't there, wasn't there the one? Peter, can, they... can, can, let, let me just jump in. I think if there's a monologue episode anytime soon, Middle England will riot. You know, we've seen what's happened with statues being pulled down. I think every regional BBC office will be torched. I just don't, you know. I think double headers are good. You know, where it's the whole episode is just two characters. They've mm. done that in the past. Well, didn't they have a Peggy one? Didn't they have one with Peggy where she she was talking about Jack or something? I'm I'm probably misremembering this. Yeah, that is ringing a it, bell. Yeah, it does ring some kind of bells for me. The the classic one in British soaps was Doris and Ethel in EastEnders. And mm, EastEnders yeah. had only been on for about three, four years. And they talked about the war. And growing up in Walford, it was brilliant. It was. Yeah, I remember that. You know, really, and, really done well. Yeah, yeah, and you always thought, well, okay, they're going to cut to another scene. Now we're going to cut to, and they never did. It was one of the best bits of TV um, this country's ever produced. It was, it was fantastic. And uh, have you been watching any of the um, Alan Bennett talking heads that have been on recently? I haven't, but obviously I've seen them in the past. But um, someone was making the point about that they kind of work because the talking head is talking to you as the viewer, as the audience, rather than to themselves. I heard a Lynn Truss um, sort of 15-minute show on Radio 4 when I was driving the other day, mm. and I disliked almost everything about it. It was too chintzy, it was too kind of parochial and kind of Middle England. Um, but I did think it was a very it would be a very good format for the Archers. Um, because you can get a lot of ground covered and also you could just have the different actors um, being being the different narrators they but they wouldn't necessarily need to stick to their own it's almost like a kind of dear diary approach mm. as with Alan Bennett you know they, they can they can cover all the different plot lines they can just basically be the it's the it's the gossip talking to the audience I, I must admit I, I hadn't heard that and I'm and I'm kind of down on my radio for listening. So whether it's afternoon plays, Alan Bennett, Lynn Trust, that 
that's all kind of not my world. What my world is at the moment is uh, the chai, which is if you liked uh, The Wire, which was set in Baltimore in uh, the kind of black American community there. And then it looked at the societal, uh, cultural, civic reasons why um, a lot of that community felt oppressed and were poor, etc. You'll like the chai, though it's not as hardcore as um, as the wire. Extremely good. It's good. six or seven inter um, at stories which are intermingled, and you have these characters. And there's a, there's like three school kids. Um, there are teenagers who are just trying to do the right thing, stay on the right side of the law. Uh, there are baby fathers. There are um, mothers who have teenage sons and they're worrying about them. It's all actually very, very good. So if you do have um, um, a service where you can watch uh, US TV, or it's, it must be on Sky Atlantic, it must be, but the chai is actually very good. Um, so Doris, um, thank you for your call. Though, Doris, I don't think you've ever called in before. So you didn't go through all of the beats that you're supposed to, but I'm going to forgive you. Just this once, Doris. All right. Uh, now we have our resident psychologist. I'm not going to call you a psychotherapist because you always get upset and I get it wrong. But he's with a spoon from the upper low east west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, today speaking to you from bucolic upstate New York. So, another week of the inner thoughts of the residents of Ambridge, bees and virtual Hindus, some foreshadowing of another disaster in the making for Kirsty. I felt the four days of eavesdropping were all a bit ho-hum. I did want to comment on last week's Dumpty Dum musings about two couples, Lillian and Justin and Kate and Yadup. Kate and Jakob, who voluntarily agreed to live separately for the duration, are examples of the old adage, absence makes the heart grow fonder, or in their case, more lustful. How they would be doing if they were living together is another story. On the other hand, I can relate to Lillian and Justin. My experience of being half of an older couple living under one roof for three months while having little contact with the outside world is that it can be quite challenging at times, to say the least. I wouldn't want a recording of all my inner thoughts about my husband during this time of lockdown. The last two weekends, we visited friends outside the city, and it's helped us feel much better. I hope Lillian and Justin, even if you hate him, remain strong because I think they're one of the more interesting and unusual couples in the village. Well, that's all I got for today. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Witherspoon. Lovely, lovely Witherspoon. A bit ho-hum. He's so polite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we were talking about those two couples, weren't we, last last week? Mm. Um, because Lillian and Justin were just at each other relentlessly um, and couldn't wait to get away from each other. But yes, they are in lockdown, whereas Kate and Jacob aren't together. Um, hmm. Absence makes lust grow bigger. <laughs> <laughs> or something or, 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 or something uh, did you think it was plausible that, uh, that one person would plot against their partner so intentionally I mean I think we all score we all 
we're all quite pleased when we accidentally, you know, get one over um, our partner, especially if there's been a recent argument. But to actually plot things or to have things coming in the post or to have sort of, uh, mm. you know, uh, patterns patterns of mistreatment, I found a bit I found a bit weird and didn't. The Lillian and, thing? Do you mean with the um, what were they, the, the, the purple velour tracksuits? Yeah, them pose for photos and stuff. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that it would buy her time, but then he's 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 so used to her machinations that he's already one step ahead, and then he's you know, then he it just all seemed it yeah. all seemed a bit cruel and a bit weird, um, and then I thought just maybe I'm a bit soft, and that's why I'm always um, on the losing end. Um, no, it was but, cruel you know, and weird. It was cruel and weird. Yes, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or cruel and unusual punishment, as the Americans would say, which is a a defined law term, isn't it? You know, so. Uh, you could have him uh, put away for that, you know, having to wear that velour tracksuit. With a spoon, we thank you for that, sir. Uh, we only have two more calls. And um, suffice to say, most people aren't giving this an unreserved thumbs up this week. Are we having a little bit of, not even a little bit, but just large dollops of monologue fatigue? Do you reckon, R. Kerry, that people just like, yeah. mm, the novelty's over. I just... I mean, mm. yeah. I, I, it is hard, isn't it? I don't want to be a whinging negative person. But, you know, looking at Twitter and, I, and the comments that are happening there and people who are, have decided to not listen anymore and some big hitters having articles out there, etc. I think you're right. There is definite fatigue of this format. You know, they're being called monotologues and monologues um so maybe we are so bring on august when the dialogues can <laughs> start happening we have one more month mm. but is everyone going to be um is everyone going to be forget about the past and suddenly it's going to be all you know um sunshine and unicorns i mean i think it, it surely it's it's part of being an archers fan as you just moan relentlessly about yeah. the you know the goings on in Ambridge, but this is you. This is you pair. You pair the uh, generally are the doom merchants, aren't you? You know, mm. listen through gritted teeth, even when it's it's awesome. You pair. You know, you always look for that little you know grain of sand and whatever, which is going to spoil. Sp uh, well, no, it's the pea, isn't it? It's the pea under the mattress and whatever. With with you pair, I'm always unrelentingly happy and happy with things. Uh. And what are you laughing for, Kerry? What? <laughs> have you spiked my tea? <laughs> anyway, let's just have another call. I don't need to analyse what I've just that. said at all. Let's have Emma. Emma, you're up because you need, I need to be rescued. Emma, let's go. Hello, Royfield, Kerry and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Emma Woodhouse and I'm in the Ribble Valley in Lancashire, fairly rural part of the world. Um, I started listening to The Archers in November 2015, just after my daughter was born, because it was something to do to fill the long nights sat up feeding her. The Archers has always been part of my life because I grew up in rural North Yorkshire in a farming community. My mum's family were dairy farmers. My best friend's family still are dairy farmers. And The Archers was always on in the background somewhere. Uh, I'm an analytical chemist and I work in the pharmaceutical industry, sometimes working on animal health products. Um, oh, I forgot my vintage. My vintage is uh, Giddy Jack. And the main storyline when I started listening was Helen and Rob. 
Um, the reason that I've called in this week, the thing that's prompted me to finally call, is the beekeeping story. I'm an amateur beekeeper. I've had bees for just coming up three years. And I was excited this week thinking, oh, this will be nice. We'll get a bit of beekeeping insight. But it just made me angry. If Ben really had checked the bees the week before, adding the super wouldn't have made a difference. He'd have seen there was queen cells and he'd have done some swarm control. But that's very boring to non-beekeepers. Uh, and just wanted to reassure Dumpty Dummers everywhere that a swarm of bees is generally pretty placid. They're full of honey. They just want to look after themselves and the queen and find a new house. So don't panic. You can find a swarm collector near you on the BBKA website. You don't need to throw things at them or run away or panic. Anyway, time's nearly up. So look after yourselves, everyone, and I'll call in again. Bye. Emma, I loved that. It's not boring. <laughs> I want more information about how beekeepers would handle bees, basically. That was really good. And I liked I liked the fact that Emma was very much the um, iron fist with the velvet glove. It was such a calm, <laughs> lovely person. And suddenly, cross her about the bees. And my God, she <laughs> sprung to life. We said, and, then, and then straight back again. Calm, mellifluous, lovely. How would they get such a thing so wrong when they have advisors and whatnot? Mm. Well, uh, whilst you ponder on that, because this is well above my pay grade, <laughs> what I will uh, compliment Emma for is going through all of yep. the required steps. So, Doris, that's how you do it, right? She even got a vintage. She went onto the website. She checked it with our vintage page. Uh, and, and, and now we got all of her credentials. So we believe her and trust her when she starts talking about beats. You know, we're like, well, you're obviously an expert. Just just saying. And <laughs> I, I, I must admit, as insects go, they are my favorite. I love a bee me. Mm. You know, they're just like, they're nice, aren't they? You know, bees, they give us honey. I think... It's an utter tragedy that all these pesticides are, are wiping out the bee population throughout the world. And they're, you know, a vital part of our food chain. So what I want, Emma, is for you to call in next week and give us an update on Bee Chat. Let's call it Bee Corner, right? And you basically tell us how we can safeguard uh, the humble but important bee uh, as part of the ecosystem, part of our food chain uh, that helps pollinate uh, just about every flower going and, and keep us all alive and keep us in honey. So uh, Bee Corner uh, needs you. Call in next week, please. I'm worried. Why is that? Like Bee Corner could be a kind of terrible um, sort of document to sort of chart mankind's downfall when an alien species comes and finds the sort of, you know, the, the hard drive buried in the Norwegian mountains. And there it is. Week 50, 52 of Bee Corner. The bees have all fled. They've, you know, frozen to death. The crops are failing. Um, Emma's calling in again with more bad news. But, you know, yes, it'd be good to hear from you, Emma. <laughs> what I want to know is how there can be so very many jars of honey in all supermarkets across the land. I think they're just working what yes. bees are left harder, you know. That I, I thought I, I cannot. It's one of the. It's the same thing as had a bumble, humble, had a bumblebee fly. How do these tiny things fill so many shelves in so many mm. supermarkets? Thank you yeah. very much, Kerry. 
Good. Mm-hmm. Answer that, please. You know, true. You, you know what? Yes, we do need B Corner. So, Emma, we really are calling on you to call in next week uh, because B populations are collapsing everywhere. They, you know, the, the, the decline is unprecedented absolutely everywhere. Anyway, the little eight-year-old me that once swallowed a bee and then the next day thought I was going to sprout wings is, is utterly fascinated. But <laughs> true story. I was round at Auntie Mavis's. It was 1976, that hot summer. And this bee uh, was buzzing. And as, you know, little seven-year-old boys do, I'm like, ah, bee, ah. And as I was screaming, it flew into my mouth. And I had to make the decision of a lifetime. If you're seven, uh, that is the decision of a lifetime because I couldn't spit the bee back out because oh it was lodged in God. my throat do i gag and die or do i just swallow it be really brave <gasps> and I had, to sw- I had to swallow it oh, there you go okay. that could have ended so so terribly but as a little seven-year-old boy who was transfixed by marvel comics i honestly thought the chances are the next day i'm gonna sprout wings you know, this this is not going to end well. <laughs> but here I was the next day. No, no Maybe wings. Maybe it's a dormant thing and this may happen to you tomorrow. Mm. Just trying to imagine the superhero. <laughs> Roy Field, but as a bee man. Well, well there, was, there was a photo of um, Ben Morris, who mm-hmm. plays Ben Archer. Um, someone had put his face on a bee sort of costume thing. So it would be like that, but with your face, Roy Field. That that did irritate well, me. One, very one, one minute, one minute. Any way that I can be associated with that handsome man, I will take. Because yeah. he's easy on the eye, that, that Ben. Is. You know, it's like, <laughs> is he? Just like, <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he liked one of my tweets once. I went all funny. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Yeah. Mm. Right. Have a look, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will do. I, I mean, sort of slight side note. I've always thought that sort of um, people like him. I haven't seen him yet, but people like him and Paul Newman are my kind of easy repost to people who are sort of like homophobic. It's like, tell me you could you can look at Paul Newman, a young Paul Newman, mm. and not feel some part of you stir. That you know these yeah. these these super good looking people sort of show our the sliding scale of our sexuality. Yes. You know what, Peter? I like that. I like that a lot. But we have one more caller in a row. It's a neurotic Yankee. She's up next. Well, I really like the monologues, but I think that they could go a little bit slower because I really miss the Friday posts. I I, I miss the Friday and I'm looking forward to watching it on YouTube on Friday when you when you have the interview with the actress who plays Kersey Miller. And she's one of my favorite characters. And I just love the show. And I have no reason to love it except I love, I've always loved radio dramas. And I'm a Yankee who's been in quarantine for way too long. And um, one of the things that I like to do now is sit and knit. And I knit more than ever. And this too shall pass. I love you all. Take good care. Ooh. I thought that was going to be a whole two minutes of dumpty 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 for a moment. <laughs> I, I love her kind of 
subtly jazz interpretation of uh, Bart Green because it it actually did not follow the tune one iota. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she wants the monologues to go slower. Mm. I, I can't get behind that statement. Not really, no. Mm. You're not missing the... Um, I think I know the answer from Kerry, but are, are you not missing the extra show on a Friday? Well, no, not the not the main. I'm I'm loving my Fridays. That's all I'm going to say. Where yeah, I we, sit down <laughs> with Dumdy Dummers and on YouTube and on Zoom, and uh, we have an actor from the Archers who just talks to us about their time on the show. I I love my Fridays at seven o'clock at the moment. Nicely done. Yeah, we'll miss that, won't we? Mm-hmm. We will. We will indeed. Kerry, 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 do we have any emails or any electronic correspondence, which is fundamentally an email? Oh, no, it could actually be an enhanced text, couldn't it? Uh, from any of our listeners. We do indeed. I'm going to shuffle. Is that better? It sounded like you're just beating. No, it sounded like you're just beating paper now. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Uh, yes, we do, <laughs> Royfield. Uh, <laughs> we have a text, and this says. I love this one. Just testing if the texting feature works from Japan. Have a good show. Drew in Tokyo. So, Drew, yes, it does work. Write again, please. This next one is from Patsy Ann, who says, um, I've mostly been bored or irritated by the nightly monologues, but re-listening to them in the omnibus edition works for me. It's rather like a radio play. Think someone else has already said this. And I agree. So thanks, Patsy Ann. Uh, the next one is from, oh, I think it's, is it Wicked Witch? Mm-hmm. Or Welsh Witch? It's WW. Um, she says, let me prefix this by saying I do appreciate the efforts that the production team, the writers and the cast are putting into keeping some resemblance of a programme. The monologues really aren't doing it for me. I've tried, I really have, but they really are not floating my boat. I did wonder if it was because they're so different from the archers we know and love, but after watching Talking Heads, I realised it was because there's no real storyline being played out, with a lot of the dialogue referring to events that have already been played out. And in fact, I feel we, the listeners, are being put into a holding pattern whilst we emerge from the long and dark tunnel we've been in. Does anyone else feel like this, or is it just me? Take care, everyone. WW. Mm. Yes. Well, folks, uh, you know how to get in contact with us, and if you don't, I'm about to tell you. You go on to dumdedum.com, hit contact us, and you can write us a long-form email. Or, you quite simply, uh, use that number which you mentioned at the start, and we'll also mention at the end, and you can send us uh, a message that way via text if you're a little bit too shy to get on to the old telephone. Now, it's a touch of Millie Bell and the social media roundup after, maybe, probably, you never know, you might hear. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Good day, everyone. Well, we started the week talking about Kirsty and Philip's unpaid workers, but we're going to talk about that later, so I'll come back to it. Um, I'm really struggling with Susan's radio monologues. They're just not hitting the mark for me. They're not believable. I don't believe that anybody would put that to air. And also on that same day, Kirsty was complaining a lot. So I, and this was when the um, hen night was first mooted. So I was saying like, help, help me with this. And Karen Cooper said, yes, this is almost certainly more exciting than we think. Surely one of Tracy's dares will reveal information about Philip's dark secret. Will the laptop in the wardrobe be found? They don't drop these things in at random. It's leading somewhere, mark my words. Ah, sadly, Carolyn, it didn't. But I do love that you reminded me that there's usually a reason for the plot lines. Um, Sarah Horner said, I'm having a bit of uh, a problem with the... uh, Sorry, Sarah Homer said, I'm having a bit of a problem with the moaning. I'm finding it different and engaging. We have a difficult situation. All I can say is... Moaning must be in a very safe place with little understanding of what's going on in the world. And yes, I am a carer. Uh, Gillian Massey said, I'm just not liking Susan being a radio presenter. It's too far-fetched and a bit cringing. It would have been better hearing her from her kitchen table. Although Brian Holding said, for once I'm relieved to just have something described rather than to have to listen to it. And Chrissy Tinson said, and of course, now we're all relaxing the rules about meeting folk. Ambridge remains in its own non-bubble. <laughs> yes, well, that's really not anybody's fault. I guess that radio is like that. Um, also put up a post from Liz Newman pointing out that there is um, some archived artists that people can listen to from 2007 onwards. So if you're interested in that, go to our Facebook page because there is a link on there. I did ask if uh, anybody had had a meeting with parents 
um, you know, meeting a partner's parents um, that had gone wrong um, or have anybody had a, a sibling spread, um, an embarrassing story. And Catherine Shrock said, when I introduced my husband-to-be to my gran, she called him by the wrong name and then said, I never thought that Catherine would settle down. She's always been very popular with the boys. <laughs> then she asked if my sister was going to be a bridesmaid, as you know, with her disability and everything. Apparently, her sister has asthma. Um, and she says, there is a reason why we got married in Las Vegas. You made me laugh a lot. Thank you so much for that, Catherine. Uh, and Heidi Griffith said, my hubby likes to remind me that perhaps getting drunk on the first meeting may not have been my finest hour. <laughs> and Jane Mindfield Brash said, my boyfriend years ago sneaked me into his mum's late at night. I came downstairs in the morning and his mum's first words to me were, you have a very loud <clears throat> cough. <laughs> so I love that too. Thank you. So you cheered me up. So thank you very much to everybody for that. Um, and then finally, of course, because it was a short week, we discussed uh, Kirsty and wondered if it, anybody could uh, do a plot prediction for us. And Stephen Bowden said, it felt like a plot near miss. We were all expecting the dares to deliver a shock outcome, but really they didn't. Yeah, that is true. And Pat Reef Hanovan said, I'm so glad that they're finally making small advances in the plot. They were really starting to lose me. All I need is a two-sided phone conversation once in a while. This talking to myself, Lark, is wearing very thin. And Joanne Smith said, oh, did they advance their storyline today? I must listen to the podcast. I only half heard yesterday and it didn't inspire me to anxiously tune in again today. Actually, they didn't really, Joanne. They kind of mentioned it, but they didn't move it on. Um, but Gillian Corrigan disagrees with me and says they're planting the seeds. And Ged, uh, Jed Robinson said, I reckon she'll find it initially abhorrent, but change her mind when offered a nubile sex slave. Jed, are you, watch, are you listening to the same program as me? Because I don't think so. Um, and then Drew Hamilton said, I almost crashed my delivery moped when I heard her say that she'd phoned one of the slaves. I really wasn't expecting any significant plot advancement. Except it hasn't really advanced because she seemed to accept Philip's position on it. Anyway, once again, it has been a short week. So I'm sorry if this is a little shorter than usual. But, but once again, you have enthusiastically been involved with our Facebook page. And I thank you because you are so funny. And um, I will leave you in the capable hands of Yokel Bear. To, so until I speak to you again, I say hooroo. Thank you for that, Millie Bell. Awesome tip top and Bristol fashion and all of that. Uh, Kerry, uh, do we have any tweets of the week? We do. And the first one that I've chosen is, coincidentally or not, by at Ben Norris 7. Uh, ben <laughs> Norris plays Ben Archer. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he he tweets. Right. <laughs> You're so transparent. <clears throat> He says, losing some bees, the prospect of indefinite lemon drizzle suspension and agonising over what to cook for a woman he's met one and a half times. Surely no one is more stressed in the country right now than Ben. Hey. Yes. Um, then I have one from um, I'm Buddhish, a bit Buddhish on the Twitters. He says... Are Josh and Ben vying to become an Ed and Will tribute act? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they are, Peter? Uh, I mean, I hope not. I can't go through that again. 
it was too much um but i am enjoying them sort of sparring a bit that's quite nice so yeah it, mm. a sort of if it's a kind of a, um ed and will light i'll take it cool um i've got two more one is from at morrissey girl who's also known as griselda strange what a brilliant name uh, my word, but Kirsty's easily pleased. No wonder her choice of men is set at a low bar. <laughs> that was because of her excitement over the Hindu, I think. <laughs> um, and so my tweet of the week this week is by at 13 Minute Man, who is 13 Minute Man on Twitter. And he says, Slaving Alive is Philip's favourite Bee Gees track, Kirsty. Yay. We good. Uh, <laughs> is that it? Are we are we done? What well, with the awesomeness of, of uh, Twitter as a, a a vehicle to be punished about the archers? Are we done? We are done. Awesome. Dumdydum dot com, folks. Go there. It's got dumdydum stuff. You can go uh, see uh, the Friday zooms. They're on there. You can go back and see past episodes. You can also now go back to our shop. I think. Uh, we were, we were, have got a hotline to the cabinet office and they've said you can open up your online shop again. So tentatively, we're, we're opening it up, but we want you to socially distance uh, whilst you're queuing up to buy a mug or a T-shirt and all of that malarkey. And uh, and let's have a mask whilst you're doing that as well. All right. So dumdum.com, go there. It's got some awesome stuff. Uh, now I'm going to quickly flick over. Now, one of the ways which we keep the lights on in Dum Dum Towers is by begging you in a very nice uh, way to go on to Patreon uh, to support our endeavours. So, and if you'd like to do that, go on to Patreon, support our endeavours by giving us $2 per episode. That's patreon.com. And um, fundamentally, the show is nada, it's niche, it's nothing without you. So you can get in contact with us uh, as a way of keeping the very bone marrow of this podcast alive you can do that by sending us a voice message via speakpipe on the website which i mentioned before which is dumdrum.com or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a message uh, or you can text us your message by starting your message with dum dum to 0778620690 and drew from hamilton has proven that this works from anywhere on planet Earth. So if you find yourself in Ulaanbaatar or Ashana or in Lima or anywhere, you've got no excuse. You can use that number with the right international prefix. Now, uh, Twitter is where this whole kit and caboodle got its start. And it's where Kerry and I uh, eyed each other up uh, over a tweet or so and said, let's be friends. Uh, and Twitter is where you can find Yokel Bear masquerading sometimes as dum as dum but also as yokel bear uh kerry is at kerry warbis and i can be found at royfield peter fickling where can you be found sir uh pete fickling and you can find lucy v freeman at lucy v freeman now if you like facebook you like facebook and if you like facebook you probably like Mark Zuckerberg. And if you like Mark Zuckerberg, I can go really somewhere quite dark with this. But I'm going to reverse back and say Facebook is just a lovely way for people to connect. And if you just want to connect with people, why don't you go on to Facebook and type in Dumdy Dum? And you can connect with other fans of the Archers who also are Dumdy Dummers. So type in Dumdy Dum on Facebook and you get Dumdy Dum on that social media platform. 
that's us just about done. Oh, one thing I have to say is uh, we need a review or two. Uh, I know that we, we come out with our begging bowl and say, give us some money. And it, times are hard. And we're like, oh, God, I haven't got a job. I've been furloughed. I'm worried about my future. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, Royfield. I know. I get it. I understand. But what you could do, go on to Apple iTunes or a podcatcher of your choice and delectation. But Apple iTunes is better. Write us a review. And that helps to get us up those podcast charts because we got all the way to number three in TV and, and media, didn't we, Kerry? We did indeed. We did. Yes. And we want to go back up those charts again. Write us a review. Uh, give us five stars. Compliment Kerry. Uh, welcome Peter into the family. And uh, that'll all be lovely and cushy. Uh, if it sounds like I've rushed the last five minutes, it's because I've rushed the five mi- last five minutes because I need to go and meet Dan and Jilly in Lewisham for a socially distanced walk. And I'm going to be late. So, Kerry, can you say goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. Uh, Same time next week. Yes. Uh, Peter, would you like to say goodbye? <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>